0: This is best friend of the show, Monica Cabina, artist and colorist on Batman The Adventures Continue. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam, streaming at dcaureview.com and on your favorite podcast app.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to another bonus episode of the dcau review i am one of your hosts and with me is my good friend good brother and the man that runs our twitter account it's liam liam welcome to another bonus episode with our coverage of batman the adventures continue season two issue number three
0: that's right and a lot a lot going on with this month's issue of course just last week we talked about our other currently running DCAU tie-in book, that being Justice League Infinity. And uh, as you mentioned, Cal, uh, thankfully, um, the, the books did not hit on the same week, so we were able to, to avoid having to record three episodes in one week last week. But here we are this week with a, uh, an interesting issue to talk about. A lot of moving parts here as we introduce Batman The Adventures Continues Season 2, Issue 3. Featuring Batgirl, the Huntress, and a returning villain from a much celebrated episode of the animated series.
1: That is right. We are covering uh, this week's story, which is titled The Hunter or The Hunted. And we will be talking about that as we always do. And uh, Liam, as you mentioned, this one, actually, uh, I, I liked it a lot because it was kind of a breath of fresh air. I feel like uh, Alan Burnett and Paul Dini, the, the writers, of course, of this this series, and they wrote the previous season also, which, by the way, if you're interested, if you have not heard our reviews of that, you can check those in the archives at DCAUreview.com or on your favorite podcast app or on the Pod Tower on YouTube but I like that they have done something similar to what they did last season. And that was, is that they, they sort of took a break from telling a straight-up Batman story. We had that story last season where we had Deathstroke make an appearance and Robin, it was sort of a Robin story that took over. Uh, Tim Drake, uh, a Tim Drake-Robin tale, sort of him with some Batgirl thrown in. A little Batman came in a, at the very end, but it was very heavily focused on Robin mm-hmm. and, and, and Batgirl in those moments. So I like that this issue kind of takes a break from that and that uh, Batman in the in the beginning, we actually are introduced to uh, Black Mask, who another one of those uh, more popular, I guess, 90s or early 2000s Batman villains that never quite made the introduction into into D- the DCAU uh, we had he had made appearances in previous tie-in comics but had never made uh, his way fully into the DCAU on screen at least so we get a a, uh, a black mask appearance and Batman and Batgirl are sort of shaking him down uh, attempting to get information out of him and as they're they're shaking him down black mask sort of refuses to give up the information and as you as you alluded to that's where we're first uh, first, reveal that Black Mask is holding this information over about the whereabouts of a Mr. Peak. And Batman explains uh, to Batgirl, who seems to already have known that this Mr. Peak was, in fact, speaking of Jimmy the Jazzman Peak, who from solicits and from the cover of the issue, we knew would be making his return appearance for this issue.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's, of course, a uh, villain from the legendary Batman episode, I Am the Knight, which you and I, Cal, have already reviewed, in fact, and you can find that in the archives, as you mentioned, where you can find all our past episodes. It's a, it's a pretty legendary tale of uh, Batman sort of having a crisis of faith, a crisis of conscience, and uh, that's sort of fully brought about by uh, by Jim Gordon being injured in the line of duty by this this mobster, the jazz man. And uh, we, we talked at the time how there's even a little bit of foreshadowing of, of Barbara's uh, future as, as she's in the episode sort of uh, sitting by her father's side in the hospital for most of it. And, uh, and yeah, we, it, it was interesting to see uh, that sort of pick up right, right where we left off and it, it's sort of a chance to do a uh, the it's the George Lucas, it's like poetry. They rhyme thing where, Ah, uh, this is kind of her version of like uh, you know Robin's reckoning part too, right? It's her choice to, uh, you know, her chance to confront the man. Obviously, she, uh, Jim Gordon did not die, but it's it's obviously this deeply personal and painful memory of hers, and she is sort of now faced with uh, with having to confront him and and uh, adding adding in the, the Huntress and some of these other elements, just uh, just making it more complicated.
1: Yeah, so as Batgirl uh, sort of finds out that Batman uh, Batman is c- going after him, as you mentioned, it very much mirrors and, and is similar to that Robin's Reckoning storyline of, of Batman's forbidding her from being a part of it, that she's too close to it, that he's too dangerous. Obviously, this is one of Batman's Uh, more well-known almost failures as as jim gordon as you mentioned nearly succumbed to a bullet from the jazz man and uh, it's interesting because we get a little bit more of 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 a backstory or at least character depth for the jazz man that I feel like we did in that episode In that episode, he's just sort of known as like a run of the mill Gotham gangster that just happens to almost get a lucky shot. Yeah. He's got this nickname, the jazz man, but there's not a lot explained as to you know why that is or what that has to do with his, his, uh, his, his personality. It's just sort of this moniker that they give him, but having it, it, A little bit further explained, we learned that he has tattoos of different musical notes and musical bars tattooed on him from various songs, and he actually... Before he kills a victim, he typically will whistle a specific tune or play a specific tune and then in their memory, sort of have that tattooed on him. All not all that different than uh, sort of a Victor Zaz in the comics, if you're familiar with that mm-hmm. character who will mark his body with an with a with a scar in order to 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 sort of commemorate one of his his murders. So it's similar similar vein, but I, I appreciated that we kind of get that little bit of that backstory. But we we send Batgirl on a on a journey as she's uh sort of trace retracing or trying to find the whereabouts of where uh, the jazz man might be and heads to this nightclub and, and sort of grills this night night uh, performer who's there, who's uh, in the nightclub playing a piano and is a former accomplice of his, perhaps a love interest. And uh, she mentions that uh, she's not willing to give him up. But then once background sees that, or that uh, this, this girl solo who's playing the piano has, uh, alludes to being hurt by the jazz man. Barbara sort of appeals to that, to, uh, to her to say, you know, hey, he actually hurt somebody very close to me as well. And my goal is to, is to get to him before somebody else does. Um, so at, at that point, Solo gives him up. And it, wouldn't you know, he's actually at a tattoo parlor uh, in Gotham, getting his latest tattoo done when uh, he's interrupted by, by Batgirl. And we learn that uh, Jasmine has some of his cronies on the way as well. But uh, as they're on the way out, Batgirl's uh, escorting him to her her motorcycle or bat cycle. And she's interrupted by a shot from a what appears to be a crossbow. And uh, wouldn't you know it, here we have the reintroduction uh, here in the DCAU of the Huntress.
0: Yeah. So uh, interestingly, um, and again, we don't do a lot of timeline theorizing on this show uh we leave that to some of our other uh, dcau content creator friends but uh there is a a direct mention here that huntress has worked with batman in the justice league and that he is not a big fan of hers so that would put this theoretically in the in the time of uh, the the last season of jlu right um at the very least, if this is after she's already been uh, fired from the league. Um, or, you know, again, I think that's something that that Alan Burnett and Paul Dini have talked about, that this was sort of, the idea was more to, hey, what if we had done another season of Batman rather than going on to beyond? And so they weren't necessarily super concerned with a lot of uh, specific continuity. So it was kind of funny here to see like such a direct, uh line thrown to the to the justice league series that will uh that that connects it in kind of an interesting way especially considering other things that have been said in this comic before like how robin's uh tim's only been robin for less than a year at this point
1: right and and we know that there was another robin in between there All of that. So yeah, we don't, we're not going to, we're not going to theorize. We actually had some people this week. Uh, we, you know, we posted on Instagram and lots of people asking us also, oh, where does this take place then? Where's the answer is we, we don't know and we don't know that the creators care. And in the end we've talked about it many, many times before. It's fun. It's fun to try and fit in. And I commend people, mm-hmm. especially our friends at, at the Watchtower database that, that, you know, obsess over that to a, to a, to a strong degree and, break down what dates or when, but the reality is, is much like most of comic book history, things get rewritten all of the time. Things get thrown out of Canon. Things get brought into Canon. Things get explained away. You put these stories into, you know, 55 different writers hands, things are going to differ in the way that they, they decide to, to tell these stories. So for the, for this, purpose we're told this is in the dcau this is the adventures continuing of batman but where this fits in, in the timeline is not I, I couldn't couldn't tell you it appears though that batman has joined the justice league and worked with them in this timeline for some period and is at least aware of of huntress so we learn that huntress is is out for revenge she uh, has A run in with Batgirl where Batgirl is able to escape with with the Jazzman, with Huntress in in hot pursuit. Uh, They come hand to hand and basically there's a couple of of scenes of Batgirl running away with the Jazzman, stowing him away in a local train yard as she attempts to sort of fend off and plead and appeal to Huntress to to allow her to take him in. Uh, to, in order for, you know, for her to take him in to, you know, basically not she appeals to the idea that she doesn't she doesn't want her just to kill him and figures, you know, she can do her best, to, uh, as you alluded to it this week on our social media, her best impression of Batman appealing to Andrea at the end of Mask of the Phantasm.
0: Yeah, and one I I swear I'll let the timeline stuff go after this. But also, uh, if you remember in the episode Double Date, uh, which we have not reviewed yet, but I know that's one of your favorites, Cal. Yeah. Uh, it is said that uh, Stephen Mandragora, the sort of albino kingpin character, killed killed Helena's parents, mm-hmm. and a different scene of Helena's uh, parents' death appears to happen in this issue. So again, we're playing we're playing pretty fast and loose with things. I don't think it hurts that much you know and I'll, I'll just make a note that way back when they were doing batman beyond uh you know bruce tim referred to this as a potential referred to it the actual show as a potential future for the the batman the animated series characters so you know if if you want to just stick to what's on screen and what fits with that on screen timeline and canon and whatever that's totally fine but uh you know as a story i don't i don't think that really negatively affects the story at all just and hey, just, just and, for the and hey,
1: now nowadays multiverses have never been hotter than they are right now oh yeah Where, I mean, they're everywhere. They're in. They're in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They're being introduced in the DC Cinematic Universe. We, you know, we have all we have all kinds of multi They're in the Spider Verse. We've got all kinds of mm-hmm. multiverses everywhere. So, uh, you know, if if you want to explain this away as a as an alternate history or future of what could have happened then you know whatever whatever makes you have fun uh there's actually a really cheap plug here for the for the guys at watchtower database but they did a really great video uh just kind of talking about whether or not the first season of batman the adventures canon uh would fit the canon of the dcau and and they came to the conclusion that it's like it doesn't really matter it's fun enjoy it enjoy the comic, stop trying to figure out so much about whether or not things fit or not. That's fun to do, but at the same time, you can rob yourself of a lot of enjoyment and just kind of enjoying the comic with trying to figure out, oh, that doesn't fit here or why they do that. And yeah, that's frustrating. Mm-hmm. You love when things do all fit together, but you could also just as easily headcanon things away and, and you know come up with your own explanations, which I encourage you to do if this is causing you to kind of pull your hair out. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, if someone—if you followed mainline DC comics, or as you mentioned, Cal, the the TV shows or movies or uh, or anything, any comic books, yeah, the the story changes and evolves, and as you said, different writers take on different different characters, and then you know things get tweaked and changed a little bit, and you can decide that and again, I'm not saying you're wrong to think that way. If you, if you want everything to be super consistent and, and all fit together, I, I don't think you're wrong for thinking that way, but at the same time, uh, you know, I, I feel like we always try to come at this first and foremost of uh, is this a good story or not? Is this a fun story or not? And then the, the, the timeline and the canon while fun to, uh, to tweak and to talk about and all that uh, it's, it's definitely secondary, but uh, yeah. Get now. Now, getting off of that diatribe, back to where we were. Yes, we uh, were. <laughs> as uh, as Batgirl and the Jazz Man are sort of hiding out at this train yard, and Batgirl sort of confronts the Huntress and is is speaking with with her and and trying to get her to to stand down, as you said, and and that leads to uh, a, a sort of more direct confrontation. But before we can see who would win that uh, that fight, uh, another classic thing that all comic fans uh, like which is to theorize who would win in, in fights between two superheroes but uh, we are we are they are interrupted by uh by a couple of of man's ex-associates and uh and one of them knows kung fu to uh, to borrow the phrase <laughs> from the matrix
1: <laughs> yes uh thank luckily for him and, and maybe un- unluckily for uh for for Batgirl as they begin fighting. Also, the term cosplayer is used here, so I, I don't know when that word was was invented, but it has to be after <laughs> it has to be sometime in the mid 2000s. So <laughs> for sure, uh, more timeline talk here. But yes, uh, so Batgirl and Huntress must team up in order to defeat uh, these these henchmen and do so pretty easily, all things considered. Uh, however, wouldn't you know it, that wily, sneaky jazz man has managed to escape and uh Batgirl actually handcuffed him to a, this handlebar inside one of the boxcars, which he's broken off and is now using as a weapon. And uh, in the meantime, Batgirl has to be super sneaky, throws a, a, a battering battering that causes the train car to train change tracks and uh, nearly hit not only them, but also uh, the huntress as well. Batgirl saves the huntress and, Huntress declares that she owes Batgirl one and pretty much is guaranteed to know what Batgirl is going to use that on and Batgirl uh, just pleads with her to allow her to take him in and uh, not kill him and to kind of let let her do that for the evening and then after that she said whatever happens to him happens so. She uh, she does take him in uh, to custody with uh, with the police. But uh, before then, Batman shows up. I guess he had been watching and and keeping a close eye on the situation the entire time. So he must have ultimately, I guess, trusted her in the end because he didn't intervene at any point or he was sort of just watching from from afar. And uh, he was happy to be proven wrong. I guess in this case. So they begin talking to the jazz man, and the whole thing was the jazz man had some, some, uh, some dirt on black mask that he was holding and that Batman was trying to shake him down for. And uh, they find out that uh jazz man actually uh, had uh, this uh, bug on him that was Uh, hidden in plain sight almost within one of his tattoos and they quickly deduce that this is where he has all his information stored so they find this and at that point the jig is up the jazz man has no more leverage they throw him in his prison cell and uh, the officer escorting him to the prison reveals himself not to be uh, Montoya who maybe at first glance it looks like but takes off their police uniform and what did you know it it's huntress fade to black with a loud noise uh can we assume that this is the last that we'll see of uh, Jimmy the jazz man at this point
0: yeah seems pretty uh pretty cons- uh, pretty concise and uh, pretty pretty definitive there as uh as yes we get the, the dramatic sound effect uh and uh, and and yeah, it's that that would seem to be the end of our issue. There is that's definitely something you you probably couldn't quite get away with. Uh, you definitely couldn't have had the sound effect anyway. The thwack, yeah, maybe a fade
1: to black. Yeah. And it's interesting. It's set up because we as you mentioned, the the killing of Huntress's parents, parents, the Burtonellis were uh, was changed and jazz was there playing a specific song as the family was being murdered. And uh, she begins whistling this song. He recognizes the tune and uh, she mentioned earlier in the comic that she hated that song. And he mentions that it's one of his favorite songs. She said she's always hated it. And then that's when we, uh, we get the interaction there where she appears to have offed Jimmy, the jazz man at this point. So uh, she succumbed to vengeance anyway. So go figure that uh,
0: the, what will vengeance
1: solve talk has uh, is over to it. I feel like,
0: well, it's, it's mostly interesting to me because I mean, it's like you said, Batgirl sort of mentions, you know, whatever happens to him after tonight's not my business. Or once we get this information on black mask, like I'm going to look the other way, but this, I mean, I assume Batman was also aware that Huntress was after him. And he also just let him walk, walk into police custody relatively unguarded. Yeah. So, so felt like a lot of people were turning blind eyes to things for Huntress to, uh to, uh to complete the job here, which, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a fan of the, I don't, Kill you, but I, but I don't, or I won't kill you, but I don't have to save you. Line of thinking for the Bat characters, yeah. but that is a line of thinking that certainly exists, and uh, in in multiple mediums. So it's, uh, you yeah, know, maybe a little bit of a differing opinion there on the idea of Batman or Batgirl or any other, um, you know, main Bat family member letting that letting that go by and just kind of turning a blind eye to it. But that is uh, that's where our story ends
1: yeah so uh overall like i said i think it's a it's a fun story i i do think that us being so familiar with batman the animated series and such an iconic episode as you mentioned with robin's reckoning that there are some some elements at least initially that are borrowed from that but maybe that's just cementing that idea of batman being super extra cautious and not ever really trusting his sidekicks or his you know his 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 uh his cohorts and, and being able to to trust them completely although i guess he he sort of does if he was sort of waiting in the wings watching observing with back row or tracking her so in a way i guess maybe he trusts but verified her there at the end there i i, I don't know but uh, mm-hmm. i i think i think overall i think that that's that's not a not a detriment to the story that they that they took something from such an iconic episode because it's really not the main main focus it's not you know is Batgirl going to be the one to kill you know Jimmy the Jazz Man? there's no it doesn't feel like there's any threat of that potentially happening it feels like it's it's she's Bent on getting justice, but the type of justice that that Batman believes in at this point, and really, it's is she going to be able to stop Huntress? Is sort of the tension the entire for the entire issue is you know what's going to happen? Is she going to be able to <laughs> prevent Huntress from killing this guy before they're able to get the information out of him?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's it. it is a, a fun uh, a fun story element there of and an interesting idea of yes, how how much does she believe in? in this code how much of it is is this really her code is it her following someone else's code batman's code in this case and that's sort of being put to the test where she has to defend the guy who almost killed her father um, from someone who wants to kill him and who has a a justified reason for wanting him dead um because not only you know he didn't just injure her parents he you know he killed or he was involved in in their killings so yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's a pretty striking, interesting idea. And it's it's interesting. They don't they don't really play up that it's a t- obviously they other than the the frustration that she expresses at sort of not being trusted by Batman and being kept out of the loop. We don't really get a lot of internal struggle where it seems she's considering letting Huntress take him out. Um, so yeah, I mean it, it is sort of I guess a reaffirming of of Barbara and, and Batgirl's. Commitment to to these ideals, at least up through when they can get the the information for uh, to to take down Black Mask.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a good story. Like I said, I think the the best part about it for me was it felt like it gave it gave it gives will hopefully make this whole run of this season give a little breather. Um, it seems to be all encapsulated in one issue. So it's not, you know, we're not spreading this out over multiple issues. It's a one shot story that's self-contained. And then, you know, we're moving on to the next, the, uh, the next issue, which I believe the the preview said the muscle flexes on Gotham. Uh, so we're not sure if the muscle is the muscle, a, going to be the name of a villain or is the muscle alluding to another, another villain? Is it going to be Bane? Or are we going to have, you know, I don't think we've seen solicits for, have we seen solicits for next month?
0: Yeah, we have a, we have sort of a, a very, uh, uh, quiet synopsis, a very, uh, not, uh, not quite clear what exactly is going to be going on, but it mentioned, uh, the synopsis for, for issue four of season two mentions a, a body washing up on, uh, on, uh, on the shores of Gotham. And then meanwhile, batman's on on the hunt for a mysterious mercenary known as the muscle and that he's uh that apparently the, the story will also uh, involve renee montoya speaking of which so yeah so i guess the muscle will be some sort of new uh new villain or perhaps an old villain repackaged as you mentioned and and uh, what what that means for uh for the rest of uh the, the issue and whether or not that itself will also be a standalone story or if or if this will be the beginning of a of a second uh, multi part uh, story, we'll certainly have to wait and see. But yeah, I definitely agree for, for this issue in, in, in question. I, I do think it was nice to kind of have a just a one off in the in the same way that even once uh, you know the, the the shows got into that more st- serialized style of uh, of of uh, certainly Injustice Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. You know, you would still have a one-off, uh, you know, where the shining knight and and <laughs> vigilante have to have to fight a, a big monster in Metropolis or something, right? And you know, not every episode was always. You know, full force with whatever the if if, if and when they, they do introduce a, a sort of overarching villain for this season, like there was in in season one of the comic, then it'll uh, I think I think it's fine to have like a little bit of a, a break in between that those first two issues focusing on the court of battles and whatever we get next
1: there you go maybe uh maybe this is a stab in the dark here and maybe uh, i'm way off but maybe the muscle we see possibly the return of of jason todd or uh you know mm. death stroke and jason todd uh, teaming up there to- is a mention
0: that a body washes up on shore so mm. the
1: intrigue so we will mm-hmm. uh we will know soon enough but that will get us to transition, Liam, I think at this point, to talking about the artwork, which is the, usually what we also talk about when we break these down. And as we talked about actually last, uh, last episode, uh, we uh, learned uh, not too long ago that Ty Templeton, who has done all of the first season and uh, the first two issues uh, prior to this for this series, and uh, he was diagnosed Uh, With cancer, and uh, we are still praying for and rooting hard for Mr. Templeton's uh, recovery. And, uh, you know, we've seen a couple updates on his social media, we know that he's undergoing treatment. So uh, we know that's, that's a Herculean task in and of itself. So uh, we definitely are still keeping him in our thoughts and prayers, and not only him but his uh, his lovely family as well. So, uh, still rooting hard for that for him to to get better and then uh, hopefully be around for a long time to make some some more Batman comics. But uh, first and foremost, uh, you know, taking on this battle first is is number one. So, uh, with that, uh, the creators at uh, at DC Comics went to the bullpen, so to speak, and went to an, another <laughs> returning Batman. Uh, tie-in comic batman the anime series tie-in comic artist and really a he an artist that has worked on a lot of DC projects over the years, been involved with many, many, many things from uh, not just DCAU comics, but including DCAU comics, Batman Beyond and Superman Adventures and uh, Batman Adventures, both volumes of the Batman Adventures. Uh, He did some of the Batman and Harley Quinn tie-in comics. And uh, so he's done done a lot of that stuff and a lot of stuff in main DC continuity also. So quite the veteran when it comes to uh, doing both pencils inks colors he's done pretty much done it all uh, from what I could see and uh, so he is uh, he's no stranger to working in this DCAU style which I think is why we we uh, were relatively excited when we heard that they were bringing him back you know you can't replace a Ty Templeton you know there's no replacing mm-hmm. you know arguably the, the the best man to do to the style of comics outside of maybe Bruce Tim himself mm-hmm. so Uh, But, you know, having somebody that you're familiar with was certainly very exciting. And uh, I think you have an interesting theory on maybe what what may have happened uh, with with some of the artwork in this comic, because some of the artwork here looks a little rushed or unfinished for in certain pages and certain panels when it comes to the, the drawings themselves.
0: Yeah, so when this issue was, was first solicited and even when we first saw the, the cover with the, with the lettering and everything, uh, Mr. Templeton was credited as the artist on that books, was solicited to be the artist on this issue. Uh, now, obviously, as, as we've just talked about, he had a, a health issue that caused him to step away. Um, and as far as we can tell in the credits here, uh, you know, Rick Briquette is solely credited as the artist, along with, of course, best friend of the show, Monica Cubino on Colors uh so i don't know if if there was anything anything was already finished by mr templeton you know layouts or pencils or anything uh or if if this was completely from scratch but i do think and i feel like it shows in certain panels that this was this seemed like it was a pretty quick turnaround and and i think that shows there's there's just certain faces uh you know, either of back or of sp- particularly the jazz man is a little bit, I think, inconsistent as far as like his proportions and the shape of his head and and his eyes and, and things like that, that just made me feel like maybe this isn't finished. And some of it even, it even almost looks like, you know, either it, it wasn't, I don't know, maybe just didn't go under the normal process as far as inking goes. Like it looked a little bit, like you see I feel like you see more like jagged edges around around, especially around like Batgirl's face in certain moments that you just generally don't see at least not at least that we are not accustomed to it in this particular comic or other DCAU comics. And again I don't'm not, not not looking to be too harsh here, especially with the quick turnaround, but uh, yeah, I, I did I, it did just feel like this was either you know a little bit unfinished or a little bit rushed in in certain ways here. And as you said, you know,
1: when we look at season 1, they had, you know, we we had, you know, talks with Monica. I don't know how many times it happened. They released, it was a digital first release schedule. So they would release it first on digital. And if there were things that needed to be changed, I can remember several times where there were revisions made where, you know, Monica submitted, you know, changes to different colors or, you know, there's, there's updates. And, you know, I think it was mostly colors that, that changed in, in those, Uh, In most Mm -hmm. of those updates, but with the digital first option, it kind of gives you a chance before you're you're able to release it or have to release it in physical form and get it printed to do revisions and changes and I can imagine while it's not, you know, it's, it's not that it's any less uh, strenuous or difficult to to draw. Uh, For a digital first print that comes out two weeks or, you know, sometimes a month before your actual physical copy, it does give you a little bit, I would hope a little bit of leeway to kind of go in and correct some things if things fall by the wayside or, you know, are overlooked in, in certain areas. So this, however, this season, they decided not to do that. And so every single issue comes out in both digital form and in physical form on the same Mm -hmm. day, we're getting full issues uh, released here. And uh, yeah, as you said, it, I I mean, it makes logical sense that this, this was a uh, not a shock or surprise, but maybe a last second call. And um, I remember Mr. Templeton said in, in his post that, you know, some of his, Um, some of his work, you know, had been delayed or there, you know, he was having, having trouble meeting some deadlines, I think he said. Um, And then, you know, he, that's when he kind of broke the news about the cancer and stuff like that. So, you know it it could have very well been that this was this was a, an executive decision i would hope not i would hope that they didn't make the executive decision here but you know perhaps the the artists came you know the or the, the comic book runners came to or the executives came to them and said hey you know we got to make a change here because we need to get this stuff out and in which case the deadline sort of took precedence over actually uh, getting the best the best possible work out there so i don't know that's all a narrative that you know we don't we don't aren't privy to, uh, but it's, as you said, it certainly seems that there's uh, several panels in here that uh, at first glance, uh, you're like, Oh, okay. And then you're like, if you look really closely at them, uh, as you mentioned, it, it looks like that they didn't, didn't fully finish the inking process or uh, you no, know, it could also be, you know, we were looking before we went, went on the air and, you know, um we've, we were trying to do some comparison between Mr. Burkett's work from Batman Gotham Adventures and Batman Adventures volume two. And uh, there, you know, that stuff was generally pretty smooth and and streamlined. And uh, while it is not a one-to-one Ty Templeton uh, art style, it is Rick, Rick Burkett's has a little bit more of an angular style I think Uh, he does Mm -hmm. and things tend to be a little bit more exaggerated and angular and a little bit off kilter with the way that he draws but uh, not not everything seemed to be so jagged and and unfinished and I think there's unfortunately there's a lot of that uh, or several uh, several several examples of that from this issue which kind of kind of let me down a little bit as far as you know the artwork for to match a story that was actually pretty decent
0: yeah. And it, yeah, it's, it's certainly, it's just, it's very noticeable. And I think especially because I, I first read this digitally um, where you're able to kind of zoom in on specific panels and all that stuff. And I feel like you, you maybe notice it more. And uh, you know, before I, I picked up my, my print copies from my my local comic book store this week, but uh, yeah, I, again, I don't think it's not a panel. And I think some of the, the more action heavy moments are 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 pretty fun there's a you know there's a moment where where batgirl sort of you know takes some uh, gas pellets out of her out of her belt and it's sort of a a nice three panels sequence there where you see her fingers go towards her belt and then you see the the little pellets dropping out and hitting the ground and then it sort of cuts to the wider wider frame of of her and and the jazz man kind of you know escape smoke as as huntress tries to fire on her and like I, I think there's still some fun and and cool visuals, and of course, you know, Mon- Monica's colors I think are still very much on point here. Um, but yeah, I I definitely think it's especially if you're looking at the digital version where you're able to really zoom in on stuff. I think that that does make maybe it enhances some of those those uh, you know those those rush rushed certain rushed panels or or certain uh, errors or or you know what have you.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, again, we're not looking to trash this um, and it's (laughs) certainly not a detriment. Uh, You know, it's not doesn't make the comic at all uh, unenjoyable. Uh, There's certainly, as you mentioned, there's several different different scenes that I think. Uh, I think the scene where we actually get the recap of the, the Bertinelli's being, being murdered.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: there's a, there's a great shot of the jazz man sitting at the piano and we have the shadow of the, of the families being murdered in the background and we have the musical notes overlaying it. Um, I thought that was a great shot. I think some of the action shots when, when uh, Huntress and, and Batgirl have to team up to take out these two thugs Um you know, I, I think those shots are pretty classic, felt very Batman Gotham adventures. It felt very, very comfortable, mm-hmm. very familiar. Uh, it felt like as the comic went on and towards the end of the end of the issue itself, I felt like uh, things really hit their stride for Mr. Burkett. I think his, his pencils looked a little more smooth. Things looked very well inked Batman. And I think you mentioned before we went on the air, but you know, it's, it's more, it's certainly darker towards that. So um, you know, it, it could be the expert mm-hmm. inking from best friend of the show, Monica, or colors from the expert uh, colors from from best friend of the show, Monica, did some uh, camouflage uh, there some, you know, it was a little easier to cover up some of those things. Um, but I, I, I think things towards the end of the comic actually end up looking a little bit more smooth, a little bit more well done. Uh, a little bit more true to than some of those kind of earlier panels. I think it's almost when we get from the nightclub scene on where, where Batgirl's with Solo, I think that that kind of kicks things off where it, it things kind of start coming together. There's one or two more brief panels where you're like, eh, I don't know. I don't know about this, but generally speaking, after that, it seems to really, you know, he seemed to really hit his stride for a lot of stuff. So uh, yeah, I think there are some, some, some good visuals, uh, nothing that that blew me away in comparison to what we had seen maybe in prior issues uh, with with the Court of Owls but um, I think uh, also we'd be remiss not to mention our uh, our cover artist uh, Miss uh, Stephanie Pepper who did uh, just a it's a tremendous awesome that, that's the standard cover I believe is the is the is the cover by Stephanie Pepper and it's mm-hmm. Uh, that features the jazz man himself uh, in the side in backerel sidecar and uh, you you get this purple hue and and uh, you know I'm not sure if Miss Pepper was giving a straight homage or nod to that the classic 66 Batgirl purple costume or maybe even the the new Batgirl of Burnside purple costume mm-hmm. but either way the purplish hue not only fits Huntress for her, for her color scheme but also fits Batgirl very well. there's if you blink and you miss it or if you're not paying attention sort of Batman cameo in the back that looks mm-hmm. straight out of the, the Batman uh, the animated series original uh, credits. Uh, opening credits. And, uh, you know, the I think the reflection off of the bike, too, is what also is pretty impressive. If you look at it, the cityscape and the lights kind of reflecting mm-hmm. off of the the motorcycle. But just a, a beautiful, beautiful cover there.
0: Yeah, no, no, totally. I think that's the, that's one of my favorite covers, I think, from from either season so far. It's just it's so striking. And it, you know, kind of combines the elements of the story in, a, in an exciting way that that uh, you know, even if even if we weren't doing this podcast, I would probably I would pick this up and and, and look at it and and even if yeah even if we weren't such such GCAU fanatics, I, I think this one would would have caught my eye either way. But uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, and and despite some of those negatives that we talked about, I, I think yeah, I think a lot of the action and the fight scenes, especially towards the end, uh, where where she's fighting uh, the jazzman's cronies and then and then the uh, when the the train comes crashing, to uh, and uh, and there's you know, you get the explosions, and there's sort of this montage of, of Batgirl beating up the jazz man. I think that's a pretty fun bit. And you know, you got the the oranges of the five from the explosions, and and all of that. I, I think that's a fun, a, a pretty fun sequence there. And and uh, yeah, I'll I'll we'll mention uh, yeah, the letterer on this, I believe, is Andrew uh, Andrew Marino. And yeah, the letters, you know, when you see a, a sound effect word that's uh, that's his worst that's that's his work and uh, I think there's there's some some good work by by him in this issue as well so uh yeah I I think overall while this maybe isn't our uh, my favorite issue from an art standpoint so far in the series I, I still think there's some there's some pretty uh, some pretty fun things. I should say actually, Andrew Marino is the uh, is the editor of the book. Josh Reed is the letterer here. But uh, but yeah, I think there's there's some fun stuff in in to be had here. Even if this isn't maybe you know it not our favorite issue uh, from an art standpoint, but still a lot of great stuff. Uh, from both Mr. Burchette and, uh, and, Mo- and of course, Monica.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Best friend of the show. So uh, shout out to her also. as She always does uh, getting us our, our comp copies of, of the, uh, of the, uh, the, the book uh, keeping, keeping your, your collection of uh, each of the covers growing each as uh, as we go along. Right, Shout out to her for just being the kindest, nicest person ever. <laughs> All right, yeah, Liam. Absolutely. <laughs> well, that will wrap us up for this week. Thank you, everybody, for checking uh, this bonus episode out. Don't forget, our standard episode will drop tomorrow. If you're listening to this on Friday, you will hear that tomorrow. We're in a month of Batman Beyond reviews, so you'll want to check that out as we actually are covering the Episode that introduces Zeta to the DCAUs. So lots of fun stuff to discuss there. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. As we mentioned, our entire archives are available at DCAUreview.com and streaming on your favorite podcast app. Uh, We would love it if you give us a five-star review, if uh, your podcast app allows you to do so. That helps us out a lot. Don't forget, also subscribe to us on the Pod Tower on YouTube. Just search Pod Tower on YouTube. Give us a subscribe there. Uh, Not only will you get our coverage of all things DCAU, including Not only this Batman The Adventures Continue comic series, but we're also reviewing the Justice League Infinity comic series that is going on at the same time. That is a follow up or sequel to the Justice League Unlimited being written by James Tucker and J.M. DeMatteis. So lots of DCAU content there from us, but also some great stuff happening from uh, the Tim Talk fellas, as well as Watchtower database as well. So you can catch all kinds of content coming there. Liam, uh, it's been a great time here, and uh, I, I'm glad we were able to break this down. I can't wait to do this again next month.
0: Absolutely. Hopefully on separate weeks again.
1: <laughs> Crossing our fingers here that the, uh, <laughs> the, the powers that be at, at Warner Brothers help us out and uh, hook us up with that. But uh, regardless, until then, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. We'll talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU review. Adios.